Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. So what's the answer uh, to all the challenges we face, especially when it comes to online conversations? Of course, we've had years of censorship and bans and people being on and off of Twitter uh, some people are doing less talking, uh, but more talking might actually be the right answer for what the country needs. Uh, Devin Weiser is the executive director of government relations and the executive director of the Olean S. Walker Institute of Politics and Public Service at Weaver State University. Uh, had a great piece in the Standard Examiner that's uh, titled, In a Free Society, More Speech, Not Less, is the answer. Devin, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Boyd. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So uh, we often hear uh, we just need to talk less. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a little Hamiltonian, uh, talk less, smile more, or something like that. But uh, but you're you're making the case, and I think rightly so, that what we really need is is more speech, not less. Yes, absolutely. Especially as we become and have become more isolated in our real lives, uh, we've seen that especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic, people isolating even further. Uh, it just enhances the importance of being able to communicate properly in online communities and, and on venues such as Twitter. One of the things that I love you pointed out in your piece uh, was that we some have lost the desire, some have just lost the, the opportunity because of that isolation that you talk about, uh, that we're no longer really experiencing or seeking out that common humanity. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even just standing next to someone in the grocery store line, people are less likely these days to just start up a conversation. You know, they if, if they're at the grocery store at all, which they might not be because they order their groceries online, um, then maybe they'll have their AirPods in or, or something to that effect that prevents them from really engaging with their neighbors, you know, and even even not out in the public sphere, but just among your actual physical next door neighbors, there's been less and less you know, collegiality and, and communication among the neighborhoods. And it's, it's a true loss for our society. And I think that, you know, we're seeing some division as, as a result of that. Yeah. So help us break this down. And this was another thing you pointed out great uh, in your piece is uh, going back to, uh, to those first freedoms uh, and that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. How does that apply in our social media world today? Yeah, so yeah, as you noted, that's our First Amendment. So clearly that was a high priority for our founding fathers. Um, and it applies today. I mean, obviously, as I note in the article, you know, Twitter is, is not the government. So they can, you know, ostensibly do what they want and, and limit 
limit who who's participating and what they're saying. Um, and that wouldn't be a violation of the First Amendment. Whether that's the right thing to do, I think, is a question, and I don't think it is. Um, but, yeah, so the government itself obviously cannot limit that based on the First Amendment outside of some, some illegal speech that the Supreme Court has identified. Um, but as far as Twitter and other online outlets for information, they pretty much have, have flexibility to do what they want, and they have done so. Um, but my argument is that, you know, with the, with the impending purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk and his apparent commitment to sort of loosening up the, the discussion, I think that will be a positive thing. I think that we need more dialogue and we need to feel like our dialogue that we're having isn't being censored or, or stopped by, by, you know, a person behind the screen that we don't know that's not elected. It could be anyone with, you know, with whatever viewpoints that they are trying to promote. So I think that generally a loosening of these policies at Twitter is is a positive thing. Yeah, I love that. And I love some of the things that you're doing up there at the Walker Institute of Politics and Public Service. Uh, You you talked about a a debate series uh, where you can get students together Mm -hmm. and actually have a real conversation. You talked about a debate over capitalism and socialism. And we love that on this show. Uh, And how we do that matters. But tell us your experience. You moderated the debate. I did, yeah. So exactly how we do it matters. So we're trying to promote an environment where students feel comfortable expressing their beliefs, um, you know, because we don't want to curtail anyone's free speech, whether they be on the right or the left or the middle or any any anywhere on the political spectrum. Um, so we just created this venue and we created this, this type of event so that students can feel comfortable coming and, and having a healthy exchange of ideas. Because like I, you know, like I noted earlier, I think there's an absence of that in our society. So the more that we can get students communicating and practicing that skill, I think that they'll take it into the back into the real world once they're graduates and, and be able to hopefully get their friends and family members to engage too in a, in a thoughtful and, and a healthy way. Uh, I love that. Uh, give us some, some insight. Where are you headed next in terms of this uh, debate series uh, with the students? And uh, what do you hope that they learn as they go through that process? Yeah, so when the students come back in the fall, we hope to have we hope to continue this program. And we want to tackle some of the harder issues that we discuss in our society, whether they're issues around socioeconomics, whether they're issues around race, um, things like that, 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 you know, generally can be seen as, as sort of a, a topic that you don't approach, you know, as far, as far as polite conversation goes, we want to have people having these conversations and, and practicing that skill set. Uh, I love that. And, uh, uh, I love the way that you closed out your piece. I'm actually going to quote you quoting, uh, former Supreme court justice, Louis, uh, Brandeis, uh, because I think this is, this is so powerful. Uh, the quote says, if there be time to expose through discussion, the falsehood and fallacies to avert the evil by the process of education, the remedy to be applied is more speech, not enforced silence. Uh, I think that is brilliant. Uh, and the way that uh, you are doing that up at uh, Weber State as uh, part of the Olin Walker Institute, uh, I think is absolutely fabulous. Anything else we should be watching for when it comes to speech uh, that you're kind of keeping your eye on uh, as we move this forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think it will be fascinating to see sort of the implementations of new policies that that Twitter does when when Elon Musk truly kind of comes into control. And also, there's a lot of controversy around the you know the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board um, that's been in the news lately. 
um, on whether that's truly the role of our government to, to be out there doing that. And they say that they're going to be targeting foreign sources of disinformation. But I know that, especially on the right, there's been a lot of, of, of concern and uproar over that over that being created. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's definitely a battle that's being waged out there on how much information is being allowed to be discussed. And like I say, I think the fewer restrictions and the more robust the conversation, I think that is better for society as a whole. Absolutely. Free speech is the answer. Devin Weiser is the executive director of government relations and the executive director of the Olean S. Walker Institute of Politics and Public Service at Weber State University. Devin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Boyd. All right, coming up, a bill extending a program to help victims exposed to nuclear tests from 1951 to 1992 was passed by the House. Congressman Burgess Owens joins us next to discuss how it will impact Utah. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.